0: Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. God bless you guys. Hey, you know what? God is raising up a new generation of young uh, pastors and preachers and evangelists and teachers, and I want to welcome one of them right now, Isaac Pino. Give him a warm welcome this morning. He's going to share, he's going to share an encouraging word with you guys. Come on, man. Come on. Come on. All right. Give it up for this guy.
1: Hey, guys. Uh, Is this, Yeah. Okay, so uh, the other day, um, Ron texted me asking if I could give a word, and I was pretty nervous. Um, And I'll make it quick, but God had given me the word of just a faith, and he reminded me of the story of Joshua when he asked um, God to make the sun stand still. So uh, for those of you who don't know, um, Joshua had just defeated, um, I don't know, some group in some place called AI or I, I I'm not too sure what it was called. But uh, God had promised him in this next upcoming battle against the Ammonites that he would have complete and total victory over them and that not a single one of them would be able to overcome uh, Joshua's army. And so, uh, of course, the battle went on, blah, 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 blah. Everything had happened. And night was falling. And um, uh, Joshua knew that he had to, or the sun needed to be up. He needed to see everywhere, uh, every. Um, sorry, guys. I'm like. Anyways, uh, he needed to see where his enemies were flocking to, and he needed to see uh, where all of the enemies were, so he could overtake all of them. Because he knew that the promise that God had for him was to overtake all of them. Not a single one of them could overtake Joshua's army. So he had he had the audacity to pray that the sun would stand still over on um, that battle. And God and, Je- and Joshua prayed that the sun would stand still, and the sun stood still, and he was able to defeat all of the Ammonites. And I just feel like God wants, uh, he wants us to step out in boldness and he wants us to pray um, larger prayers and uh, really, really understand who he is um, and have that faith. And I was just going to share one more story with you guys, a personal story. I recently came back from Youth with a Mission, the same thing that Brandon and Oksana were doing. I'm glad I don't have to explain it um, now that they did. But I did my base in Hawaii and I did my outreach in the Middle East and I went to the nation of Jordan. Um, I worked with Muslims and refugees and it was pretty hard outreach it was pretty interesting Um, we weren't seeing too many miracles we weren't seeing too many people come to know Jesus it was just very 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 spiritually heavy place Islam was just blanketed over that place but the entire time I had just prayed like God just show yourself to me and like show yourself in this insane miracle like I want to be used I want to be used like Joshua and so this one night I went with my friend Jenna in this taxi, and we were driving to this mall, just casually. It was towards the end of our outreach. I thought everything was pretty much done at this point. Um, I'd shared this story with the youth before, but I was I was in this taxi, and the taxi driver was this insane Muslim guy, like, not because he was Muslim, but, like, he had, like, the full, like, dishdash, like, the full Muslim clothes, like, the skull cap. He had a, a mesbaha, which is, like, a, a Muslim rosary. He had a Quran, like full-on Muslim completely, and I felt like God was saying, like, like, pray for this guy, I'm going to use you, um, to, like, minister to this guy, and I was freaking out, I was like, I can't do this, this dude's, like, super Muslim, I've been shot down, like, way too many times before God, and, um, then he reminded me of Joshua, and I knew that God had promised me that he was going to reveal himself to me on this trip, and, uh, the thing was with Joshua was God had promised victory, but Joshua still had to fight the battle, and so I felt like God was telling me to fight the battle at this point. And um, so I felt like God had given me a word of knowledge that this guy, this guy had pain in his body. So I just said, hey, man, like, do you have any pain in your body? Do you have, like, I don't know, anything? And the guy was like, who told you I had pain? Like, I have pain, but who's telling you these things? I was like, well, Jesus is, and Jesus is my friend. Um, and he speaks to me. And he's like, oh, yes, I do have pain. I have pain in my throat. I've had, I had, uh, like, throat cancer many, many years ago and I still deal with the effects of it and it hurts to swallow, it hurts to talk and I felt like God was telling me to pray for, for healing and I had never ever seen healing um, before this point. And so anyways, I'm freaking out and I ask if I can pray for him and then he tells me that his Muslim friend um, had tried praying for him and it didn't work but his Muslim friend was able to heal a bunch of other people. So the pressure went from like here to like here right away so, anyways, I stepped out in faith, and I put my hand over the guy's throat, and I was just praying, and I was like, God, I just pray for complete healing, like Jesus just, like, completely encounter this guy. And the second I said that, the guy, like, jerked back, and he started crying, and he was like, like, it's gone, it's gone. Like, after 10 years, it's finally, finally, finally gone. And so I, I freaked out. He was freaked out. And then not only that, he gave me a list of um. Of names and people and their ailments because he wanted me to pray for them because he wanted to know, um, like what was in me. That hold on, my timer went off, but I'll wrap it up. Um, Anyways, so he, so he gave me a list of people to pray for and he was asking me how I was able to heal him and all this stuff. And I said it was like it was Jesus. It was completely Jesus. He encountered the Lord and he wanted to know Jesus more. This insane Muslim guy after this outreach that. I thought I wasn't going to see anything, like, he was able to see Jesus, but it was because I stepped out in boldness and in faith, and I was able to understand, like, God's promises for me, but also step out into the battle like Joshua did. And I just feel like, um, in every situation, I just feel like God is just saying, like, pray bolder prayers, step out in faith more, understand that, um, he is, he is interested in every situation in your life, every situation, no matter how small, no matter how big. I feel like a lot of times we feel like, uh, our problems are too realistic for God. I feel like a lot of times that we think that we can only pray for certain things, but just some things seem impossible. But, um, I mean, Joshua made the sun stand still. I mean, I was able to pray for this guy, and he, he got healed. So I just want to encourage you guys that, you know, just pray bolder prayers and step out in faith, because God's not going to lead you to a dry river. And if he does, he's going to make it rain, so... Um, just understand that, and yeah, I just want to release that over to you guys. Thank you for listening to me. All
0: right. Good job, man. Good job. All right, that's what I, I love. That I love that. So, guys, uh, this morning uh, we are in um, Psalm 103. If you've got your Bibles, I love it when you bring your Bibles. I love to hear those Bible pages turning, or those cell phones clicking, and. Uh, So, we've been doing a a gateway series called, uh, from Psalm 103, uh, 103. you guys probably know that psalm by heart uh, now, but uh, I want to, uh, I want to just read it to you. He says, the psalmist says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. And what that means is that uh, there are benefits that we have from being believers in uh, Jesus Christ. And it's just like if you were taking on, as I said you know, a couple of weeks ago, if you were taking on a new job, you might ask the employer you know, uh, what the benefits are. I mean, do I get you know, you know, overtime? Do I get uh, vacation time? Do I get sick leave? Do I get maternity leave? All of these things are important questions for you as an employee to ask the employer. And uh, the, the psalmist is saying here that there are benefits for, for, for us serving God. And he goes and begins to mention what those are. He says, number one, that he forgives all of our iniquity. Number two, we talked about this last week, that he heals all of our diseases, that he redeems our life from the pit. That's what we're going to be talking about today. And that he crowns us with steadfast love and mercy And then He satisfies you with good so that your strength is renewed or your youth is renewed like that of the eagles. And so today we're talking about He's our Redeemer, the Lord our Redeemer. I came across this uh, speech that Abraham Lincoln gave in 1863, and he says that we have been the recipients of the choicest of bounties of heaven. We have been preserved these many years in peace and prosperity we have grown in number and wealth and power as no other nation has ever grown, but we have forgotten God. Does that sound like America? It does to me. We have forgotten the gracious hand which has preserved us in peace, multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. We have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own, intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and persevering grace and too proud to pray to the God that made us. Amen? That's what Abraham Lincoln said, you know, 1863. You know, it sounds like he's reading, uh, you know, uh, the morning news in America today. So I'm going to just talk about uh, uh, redemption this morning, the the Hebrew word, there's only one word in Hebrew for uh, redemption. It's Gaal. It's spelled G A hyphen A L. And it means, it just simply means redemption means or redeeming means to buy back. And Nina talked about a couple of weeks ago about uh, uh, her mother going to the SNH green stamp store. But it was called the SNH, and I don't know what point you were trying to make, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> was it redemption? Yeah, it was called the Redemption Center, the SNH Green Stamp Redemption Center. It's the only time I've ever heard it. You know, like a kid, it's not a word that we use very often. So there's only one Hebrew word in, um, you know, in, the only word and word in Hebrew that uh, that talks about redemption. But in Greek, there are four. There are four different Hebrew words that talk about. Uh, there are derivatives of of this word um, uh, uh, for redemption. The first one is. Uh, agorazo, and it means the marketplace for slaves. And, you know, I know that, uh, I mean, slavery has been around for a long time. We have it today. We have, you know, human trafficking. trafficking. We have sex slaves. I mean, it's a terrible tragedy. It's a blight upon the history of our nation, but it's also on the world as well, you know, that that mankind would treat another human being the way that, you know, slave masters treated their slaves. And so... um, This, uh, from Revelation 5, 9, you know, we get this word. It, It says, speaking about Jesus, that you are worthy to take the scroll. Remember, John was there, and he was crying. He was upset, so no one could open the scroll. And they looked for someone, but no one was found worthy. And then, you know, he hears this word that says, you know, speaking about Jesus, that you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seal For you were slain, and you have redeemed us. That's that word, agorazo. You have redeemed us uh, to God by your blood. And out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, that's from Revelation chapter five nine. So I want you to get the picture here, and I really, I think it's really important because you know, I mean, we can, you know, we talk about John three sixteen. We all know it by heart. For God so loved the world. It's almost like a little, you know, nursery rhyme for us. You know, we can sing it. Now we can wrap it, you know, for God, so love, woo. you know, I mean, it's just like, you know, guys, I'm going to just tell you that, you know, I mean, it's just like you hear the word of God so often that it just like it doesn't penetrate your heart anymore. But I, I want you to know, I mean, this is real. What Jesus went through, the suffering that he went through is so real for us. And I, and I think that in this illustration, I'm hoping ...that, you know, that you'll understand. But, I mean, we have, you know, Jesus, God's son, who left heaven... ...and he entered the slave market, the marketplace where slaves were being sold. And as I mentioned, it's one of the greatest atrocities this nation has, you know, ever seen. And um, in biblical times, and, and even in the history of our nation... You know, this is the way that slaves were treated. When a slave was on the auction block and you were, the, uh, the, you were buying or you wanted to bid on, this, uh, on, on this, this, this human being that many considered were animals, this is what you had the right to do. You could go up, you could open their mouth, you could look at their teeth, see if they had good teeth. You could slap them, you could poke them, you could prod them. You could try to humiliate them to see what kind of temperament they had, if they were going to get upset or mad at you. But uh, you know, I want you to think about that. You know, for women, it was not uh, unreasonable and not uncommon in the slave market to strip them down, young women and uh, you know, uh, young girls to strip them down to see what their body looks like, how humiliating that would be. But I want you to know that our Lord went through the same thing. That's why he understands you know, what slavery is about when you become a slave. It says that the soldiers, this is from Matthew chapter 27, uh, the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters and they gathered the whole battalion before him and they stripped him down. He was naked before them. They put a scarlet robe upon him, just like they, you know, just like they did the women in the, in the slave market. He was stripped down naked. Uh, they put a crown of thorns on his head. They put a reed in his hand and kneeling before him, they mocked him, you, you know, humiliating him. Uh, saying, "Hail, King of the Jews!" And then they spit upon him, and they took a reed and struck him on the head, and they kind of pro- you know tr- uh, tried to do all of these things. And remember, it says that he was like a a lamb silent before his shears; that he opened not his mouth. He didn't try to defend himself. Remember that uh, Pilate and Herod were both marvelled at, you know, why he didn't try to defend himself. But so he understands that. Words, you know, and it amazes me that God would use a word like agorazo. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, it says that Jesus Christ, who though he was God, listen to this, did not demand and cling to the rights as God, but laid aside his mighty power and his glory, taking the disguise of a slave and becoming like men. And I'm just hoping that you know this morning you guys can kind of get that in your spirit of all that Jesus went through to redeem us, to buy us back, because see, we'd been sold to a a terrible slave master, his name was Satan, and we were to do his bidding. And the word says that before we came to Christ, that we were in the world and he had delivered us out of darkness and we were without hope and without promise. We were aliens and strangers to the promises and covenants of God. But now in Christ Jesus, all of these promises are made available to us today. All of these benefits. The second word um, is called "X." Ex- agarazo, it's not spelled that way, but just so in, uh, in the Greek, but just so that we can understand it, the X in front of agarazo means that he has taken us out of the slave market, that first of all, that it was the marketplace, agarazo was the marketplace for slaves, and X agarazo means that we've been taken out of the slave market. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, becoming a curse for us, because it's written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Jesus not only became a slave, but he got us out of the slave market. And, uh, you know, the, the the truth is that Satan runs a slave market, and uh, um that you have been sold, that when, you know, you come into this world before you know Jesus, you have been sold to sin. And that sin could be anger, it could be bitterness, it could be greed, it could be um, pornography, it could be uh, adultery, fornication, homosexuality, any of those things, you know, it could be there. And speaking of that, you know, I mean, I don't know how many of you heard the news this morning about this place in Orlando, Florida, a place called The Pulse. Anybody catch the news on that this morning? It was a gay, it was a gay bar, and this uh, this Islamic terrorist went in. There were three hundred people in there, and he shot and killed fifty you know gay uh, men and women that were there and wounded another fifty others. I mean they, it's going down in the history of America as the greatest shooting tragedy in the history of our nation. I just want to stop right now, and uh, my heart is broken for the families and for those that are you know, dealing with this this morning, and why don't we just, just take a moment and pray for them. Would you just join me in prayer? Father, we, we think about the loss, the needless loss of life, and I think about, Father, those that are wounded, I think about, Father, the uh, families of of those that lost their life in that nightclub, and God, regardless of, you know, how we feel about uh, about this type of sin, Lord God, these are people that you love and that we love, too, Lord God, that... And we just pray for the families. We pray, God... Uh, your healing touch, God, their brokenness, uh, just the hurt, the disbelief, Father, that many of them are going through this morning. Just pray your healing hand. Father, your word says that you are God of all comfort and you comfort us so that we in turn can comfort others. And I pray that the power of your Holy Spirit would just overflow that that community in Orlando, Father, and bring peace and bring the comfort of the living God. Heal the broken hearts that are there this morning, Lord God. And those that have suffered the loss of uh, the life of of a loved one, a son or a daughter, a mother, a father, father, brother, sister, aunt or an uncle, whatever it may be, God, we just ask that you would heal those broken hearts today in Jesus' name. And so Satan comes in and, you know, finds us and he places us on the auction block or, or the, the slave uh, block and here comes the bidders. And the bidders are, as I mentioned, you know, pornography, homosexuality, adultery, fornication, lying, stealing, cheating, and you become a slave to that sin. And uh, uh, it says that, in and this is from um, Romans chapter 6, and it says, Don't you realize that you can choose your own master? You can choose sin with death or else obedience with acquittal. "...the one to whom you offer yourself, he will take you and be your master, and you will be his slave." That's talking about either God or Satan. It says, "...thank God that though you once chose to be slaves of sin, now you have obeyed with all your heart the teaching to which God has committed to you, and now you are free from your old master that Jesus came into your life and broke the power of sin so that sin wouldn't have to be your master, that you're set free from sin." And that old master, and now you're free from your old master, sin, and you have become slaves to your new master, righteousness. Speak this way, using illustrations, or he says, I speak this way, using illustrations of slaves and masters, because it's easy to understand, just as you used to be a slave to all kinds of sin, so now you must let yourself be slaves to all that is right and holy. And so each of us, I mean, each of us has been on that auction block, on that slave block, At one point in our life, you know, we were all there until we found Jesus, and then Jesus came in, and he redeemed us. And where we used to be slaves, and now we are ex agorazo, we are off of the block. And, you know, there are a bunch of Old Testament examples of, you know, being redeemed. We have the story of Ruth. The whole, you know, book of Ruth is just a beautiful illustration of a kinsman, redeemer, someone that had been redeemed. And Boaz redeems her, uh, you know, gets her land back for her, marries her. And I mean, just an incredible, beautiful story unfolds. Uh, They have a child and, uh, you know, and just goes on, you know, the whole line of David is established there. And uh, God does an incredible thing, just three or four generations removed from the time when, you know, when Ruth and her uh, mother-in-law Naomi were in a land and, you know, there was famine and it was destitute and it was just like all hope was lost until they returned back home. And Boaz, you know, the, the redeem, he was the kinsman redeemer. He redeemed her. But another story that's very similar is the story of Hosea. And uh, for those of you that don't know the story, I'll kind of give you a brief outline. Hosea was a prophet and I'll pick up in Hosea uh, chapter One. It says that when the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, "Go and take yourself a wife of whoredom." He and he was actually telling Hosea, which was illegal for a prophet. You know, it was wrong, violated the law to marry a prostitute. And he says, "Go take your wife, or take yourself a wife of whoredom, and have children of whoredom." For the land, he, and he's using this as an illustration. He says, "The whole land, the children of Israel, have turned away from God." And they're not worshiping God. They're committing spiritual adultery, which is idolatry, worship, the worshiping of idols. He says, the land commits a great whoredom, forsaking the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of uh, Diblaim, and she conceived and bore a son. That's in Hosea chapter 1. And they went on to have uh, two other children. They had three children. And then in chapter 3, you know, well, before chapter 3, she ends up leaving him. She leaves him with the three children, and she goes back into this life of whoredom, and she becomes a prostitute again. She sells herself into slavery, and uh, she puts herself on the slave block as a prostitute slave. And men would buy her and use her up and put her back on the auction block, and they, men would buy her and use her up and put her back on the auction block. Meanwhile, she, you know, she's not the young, beautiful woman that she used to be, and according to Hebrew tradition, she's growing to be quite an older woman, and the bids are coming lower and lower and lower. And it says in chapter 3 that God spoke to Hosea, and he says, and I'm reading this out of the message. It it reads a, a, a little easier, I think, for us to understand. He says that God ordered me. He says, start all over. Love your wife again, your wife who is in bed with her latest boyfriend, your cheating wife, love her the way I, God, love the Israelite people, even as they flirt and party with every God they, that takes their fancy. And I did it. Hosea says, I did it. I obeyed God. I did what he told me to do. And he says that, that I, paid a good, I paid good money to get her back. It cost me, listen, the price of a slave. And we know from Exodus chapter, I think it's chapter 20, verse 15, or chapter 21, verse 15, it says that uh, if a man's ox gores another man's ox, uh, or if that man's ox gores another man's slave and kills that slave, you shall reimburse that man 30 pieces of silver. I think in uh, Zechariah uh, chapter 11, verses 12 and th- uh, twelve and 13, it talks about uh, how... The Redeemer, the Redeemer of Israel, would be sold for uh, 30 pieces of silver. And then we see Judas selling Jesus to the chief priests and the Pharisees for 30 pieces of silver. He was sold, as I think about this, our Redeemer, the the creator of the heavens and the earth, the creator of all mankind, it says that God came into his own, but his own knew him not. They didn't recognize him as being the Messiah. And they sold him for the price of a slave 30 pieces of silver. I mean, it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking to think that the entire nation of Israel would treat the Messiah, you know, as just a common slave. But that's how he was treated. And, you know, in uh, the story of Hosea, he says the whole illustration is that, you know, my people have left me and they have left me, and his, his illustration is marrying a harlot and then loving a harlot or a prostitute. You know, God's saying to Hosea, he said, I'm, I'm doing this. I'm, I'm trying to teach the, Isra- the nation of Israel a lesson. What you're doing to Gomer is what I'm doing to the nation of Israel, even though they have forsaken me, and even though they have abandoned me for other idols and other gods, I still love them. my love hasn't changed for them and your your illustration of taking your wife back and marrying her after what all the things that she's done to you and bringing her back into your home and loving her again is an illustration of how I love the children of Israel. and so uh, you know, according to Hebrew uh, tradition that Hosea is there when. Uh, Gomer is put on the, the slave block at a very, you know, this is many, many years later, and uh, no one was bidding on her, and there was one voice from the back of the crowd, and it was Hosea saying, I will take her, I will take her as my, as my wife. And he buys her back and brings her back home. The third way that this word redemption is used is word, a Greek word that's called lutrosis. And it means the full payment of a slave, the full payment. Hebrews chapter 9 says that not with blood, the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once and for all, having obtained an eternal redemption. He paid the full price, the full price of a, uh, the full price. You know, when, when you know something is really valuable and you know that if I know somebody that wants it, for example, you know, get many of you guys know that my background has been in real estate business and I've been in real I still have a real estate license, but got a license in 1977. Um, but I remember one time I was uh, selling a piece of property that I actually owned, a development that I did. It's called Los Vaqueros, out off of 285. And a guy called me from, he was he and his wife were staying at La Posada, and they asked me to pick him up and take him out to show him the lot. And uh, nice couple, uh, he, they get in the car, we get out, and before I can even stop the car, his wife is saying, I love it. I love it. Just buy it. Just buy it. Just pay him whatever he wants. Just buy it. I love it out here. And he's trying to get her to be quiet. he's trying to like, hush, you know, you're you're killing, you know, the, uh, I want to try to do a deal here. I want, you know, I want to see if we can bargain on this a little bit. And you've absolutely ruined it for me. You know, it's like. You know, and he, of course, uh, at that point, and she was sold, and, and I wasn't budging. <laughs> it's like, the price is the price. <laughs> and so uh, they ended up paying me the full price. But when you really want something, when you really, really, really want something, and you understand that, you know, the person, another person wants it as well, you know, and they're willing to pay any price for it, you know, and that, I think that this is kind of like, you know, how I see God in heaven, you know, and, and and as I mentioned, that all of us had been on the, on the auction block, on the sale block, the, the slave block, and that, you know, I see God saying to Satan, I want to, I want them back. I want, I want that young man back, or I want this little girl back. I want that little boy back. And Satan saying to God, you really want him back? You really want him back? You know, what would you give me? And God saying... I'll give you my son. And Satan says, okay, let me tell you what I'm going to do with your son. I'm going to take your son. I'm going to beat your son. I'm going to humiliate your son. I'm going to spit in your son's face. Then I'm going to drag your son through the street. We're going to beat him with clubs, put a crown of thorns on his head. Then I'm going to take him and nail him to a cross. You still want to do the deal? You still in God? And God says yes. See, it's a little bit more than for God so loved the world when we think of it in those terms, isn't it? When we think of it in those terms of what Jesus did, how he became a slave for us. He says that, you know, in 1 Peter chapter 1, it says, you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, the lamb without blemish or defect. The final word for redemption is called apolutrosis. It's lutrosis with apo in front of it. And it's not just buying a slave back so that you can own the slave, but it's buying the slave back and giving the slave his freedom that you know you don't I'm buying you back, but I'm I'm really putting you back in the way that it once was in the garden. And this is really what Jesus, this is the final meaning of that word, that Jesus bought us back and put us back the way that it used to be, with Adam and Eve in the garden before the fall. It says in, uh, in Ephesians it says that we have, In Him, redemption, again, redeeming, that redeeming value through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, and according to His riches and glory. He put us back to the original state. So we're no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are God's child, God made you an heir. You're a son and a daughter. You're no longer a slave. And so if we put all of this together, it says that the marketplace, that Jesus came down to the marketplace for slaves, he entered into the marketplace, and out of the marketplace, he took us out and he stayed there. He paid the full payment for the price of a slave, and not only did he pay the full payment, but he released us into freedom. Now, I came across a story about... uh, Dr. Leo Winters, he was a very highly acclaimed surgeon, and he was awakened at about 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning that he needed emer- uh, the emergency room was calling saying that he needed to get to the hospital quickly. There had been an accident. There was a man that was dying. They needed him you know, to perform a surgery right away. And so he had to drive. The shortest way to the hospital was through the roughest part of town. And as he's driving through, he has to stop at a stop sign And a man in a gray hat and a dirty flannel shirt jerks him out of the car, throws him to the ground, and and steals his car and takes off. And uh, the doctor, you know, after a while, finds a taxi, gets to the hospital. But by the time that he got to the hospital, the man had died. And uh, the nurse had said uh, that the the man's father was uh, the man that had died. His father was down in the chapel praying. And the doctor wanted to go in. And just explained to him what had happened. But when he got to the chapel, he found a man there with a gray hat and a dirty flannel shirt. That was the man that dragged him out of the car and stole his car. See, the doctor was trying to redeem and help his son. And he rejected it. And I'm going to tell you that Jesus Christ today is here trying to redeem you as a son or a daughter of the living God. And I'm asking you, please don't reject it anymore. Please do not reject him anymore. You know, he has come and he's given his life for you. He's laid down his life for you. This is the benefits. This is one of the benefits of of knowing and loving God, that he will redeem your life from the pit. I want you to just close your eyes for just a moment. We're not quite done yet, but uh, it brings us to this point because I've got a baptism to perform, and I want... I want to know in your life, have you given your life to Jesus Christ? And if you haven't, today is a good day to do it. You want to give your life to Jesus right now? I want you to just stand up. Anybody in here right now that just says, you know what? If I died, if I died today, I don't think that I would be in the kingdom of God. You want to just stand up? All right, I see a couple of people standing up back there. I see a few more people standing up. All right. I want you to just pray with me right now. I want you to just pray, pray with me, and I'm going to give you an opportunity because the Bible says that when you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the next thing you need to do, if you truly, truly believe, you need to get baptized. And I'm getting ready to do that. And I don't, I don't want to hear any excuses, you know. I don't want to, I don't want to hear you say, I don't, want, I don't want to go home wet because that's not an excuse. We've got clothes here, all right? That's, so going home wet is not an excuse. And even if I didn't have clothes here, it wouldn't be a good enough excuse. But for those of you that are standing and want to receive Jesus this morning, you can just simply just say, Father, I know I've sinned against you and I've broken your commandments and trespassed against you and I've sinned against you and I've sinned against against heaven and your son Jesus and I ask that you would forgive me. Whatever my sin may be, I ask that you would forgive me my sin, that you would wash me in the blood of your son Jesus and accept me into your kingdom, that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit and give me the power through your Holy Spirit to live the kind of life that you want me to live, a life that will bring honor and glory to your name. I'm going to just tell you, those of you that are standing, if you prayed that prayer, if you prayed that prayer, God heard your prayer, and the next step is for you to get baptized.